Hey there, this is Brian Zond, and welcome to my sermon podcast. I'm glad that you're interested in the sermons that I preach here at Word of Life Church in St. Joseph, Missouri. And if you ever feel inclined to help us by supporting us financially, you can do that at our website, wolc.com. Thank you. Today, I want to talk to you about a world filled with blessings. And so I want to begin with a question as we get started. I want to begin with a question, and that question is, what kind of world do you want to live in? I know that we cannot always control the world around us. You know, in our world, we have injustice and immorality We have this great big global pandemic, which is still with us. We have greedy, mega-rich people. In this world that we live, we have power-hungry politicians and proud political pundits who will tell you what they think. In this world, we have angry mobs on Facebook and antagonistic trolls on Twitter. In the world that we live in, we have people that will bite into the ice cream on top of their cone with their teeth. What's wrong with these people? You're supposed to lick that ice cream cone. That's why God designed it. No, we can't control everything around us. We can't change everything around us. We can't fix everything around us. But we can do one thing. You can choose a life of blessings or you can choose the death that's associated with cursings. So I ask, what kind of world do you want to live in? When God gave the law to his people in the Old Testament, God did so to form them into a people of worship and justice, a people who would rightly love God, that's worship, and rightly love one another, that's justice. You know the story, God calls Abraham and says, Abraham, through you, there's going to be a big family, and through this family, you're going to bless all the families of the earth. And that family becomes what we know as ancient Israel. And God gives them this law to shape their hearts that they might walk in God's ways. And the people of God find themselves in Egypt. And while in Egypt they're suffering, God hears their cries. God sends a deliverer, a rescuer, Moses, who leads them out of Egypt through the wilderness to the promised land. And before they enter into the promised land, God, through the servant, through his servant, through the prophet Moses, gives them a choice. God expresses all of the blessings that come with obeying God, and God also expresses the curses that come from disobeying God. And then through Moses, God gives them a choice. And so I I pick it up in Deuteronomy Chapter 30, verse 15, this is Moses speaking to the people right before they're to enter into the promised land. This is what Moses has to say. He says, now listen, today I am giving you a choice between life and death, between prosperity and disaster. For I command you this day to love the Lord your God and to keep his commands, decrees, and regulations by walking in his ways. That was the purpose of the law. 
It wasn't to put burdens upon God's people. Rather, God wanted God's people to walk in the ways of God. That's why he gave the law. If you do this, you will live and multiply, and the Lord your God will bless you and the land you're about to enter and occupy. But if your hearts turn away and you refuse to listen, if you are drawn away to serve and worship other gods, then I warn you now that you will certainly be destroyed. Again, the purpose of the law was not just to give Israel a list of rules to follow, but it was to form their hearts in a certain way. Again, uh, in the ways of worship, in the ways of justice, that they would rightly love God with all their heart, soul, mind, and strength. But if they would be swept away into idolatry, and you know the story of Israel, this happens over and over. If they're swept into idolatry, then God says there's destruction. Moses continues, you will not live a long good life in the land you are crossing the Jordan to occupy if your hearts are given over to idols. And then I kind of imagine Moses kind of squaring his shoulders and <clears throat> clearing his throat and saying, today I have given you the choice between life and death, between blessings and curses. Now I call on heaven and earth to witness the choice you make. Oh, that you would choose life so that you and your descendants might live. I believe that this choice between life and death, blessings and cursings, this choice that was given to ancient Israel, I believe God is giving us that same choice today. Which is why I ask, what kind of world do you want to live in? A world of blessings or a world of curses? This choice has been given to us, and it's been given to us at a time and in an age, well, it's a secular age. It's an age where people are trying to do life and live life without God. It's a secular age. And in a secular world, there's not much room for a world filled with blessings. Those in a secular age, they want to reduce everything down to cold, sterile mechanisms where things are predictable, provable, and explainable. But I don't want to live in that kind of world. I mean, don't get me wrong. I want to live in that kind of world when I got to get a root canal and I go see the dentist. I appreciate that there are those that work with things that are explainable and provable. And I love that gas that you get. I'm like, you put me on that gas dock, you can do whatever you want to with my teeth. It's fine. But I don't only want to live in that kind of world. I want to live in the world of the unexplainable. I want to live in a world filled with God's grace that shows up in surprising ways. I want to live in the kind of world where God is at work and we can't always explain it. I want to live in the kind of world that's filled with blessings. How about you? What kind of world do you want to live in? Now, the sacred story that's told in Scripture is a story that's filled with blessings. 
You can do this on your Bible app or your favorite Bible search website. You can search out the words bless, blessed, blessing, and you will read hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of references to the blessings of God. But if we just start at the very beginning of our sacred story, if we just start in Genesis, what we see is that God created a world filled with blessing. God creates and then God blesses that in whom he creates. So God creates humanity, male and female, in his image, and then God blesses them. God calls Abraham and promises Abraham this great family and says, I'm going to bless you, Abraham, and bless your family that you might be a blessing. Abraham's son Isaac, who is a farmer and is planting his crops, and we read in Genesis that God blesses Isaac in his work of farming. God blesses Jacob when Jacob wrestles with that angel until the break of dawn. And then later in the story, we see Jacob in his old age blessing the Egyptian Pharaoh. And before his death, Jacob even blesses his 12 sons that become the 12 tribes of Israel. This is a story from the very beginning that is filled with blessings. And for Christians, for those of us who are followers of Jesus... Blessings are expressions of love normally through words. That's what blessings are. Blessings are words that we use to express love. Now, when God blesses us, we receive God's blessings as gifts of grace. Things that aren't earned. You can't earn blessing there. We receive blessings from God, not that we've done something to earn it, not that we've bought them or paid for them, but we receive them as a gift of grace that gives us a hopeful future. I want to make a a book recommendation to you. You know how we are. We're readers around here. And uh, I recently finished uh, this book. It's entitled, Given the Forgotten Meaning of Pr- and Practice of Blessing by Tina Bosch. And she writes, this is a 2019 book that she writes on the subject of blessing, the meaning and the practice of blessing. And she describes blessing using these words. She writes, Blessing breathes newness into our spirits, By enabling us to envision a path forward with God, a new reality towards which we will move on in faith. And then she quotes Uncle Walt, Walter Brueggemann. As Walter Brueggemann puts it, we are energized not by that which we already possess, but by that which is promised and about to be given. That is the blessings of God. That's what energizes us towards a hopeful future are those blessings that are given. Blessings indeed are something that we share with others. And sometimes it's difficult to do that. Sometimes it's challenging. Sometimes I think we're not schooled and cultivated in the art of blessing. And so it becomes a little stilted sometimes, a little awkward But I do believe that blessings are expressed through our words. On Monday, we celebrated Jenny's birthday. And uh, my wife, Jenny, and if if you want to know what birthday number it is, you have to ask her. I'm not going to tell you. Uh, But we celebrated her birthday, and we had a few friends over for dinner. And uh, the morning of, uh, of the dinner, Monday morning, I texted our friends who were coming, and I said, hey, 
at one part during dinner, we're going to go around the table and we're all going to share words of encouragement, affirmation, or a funny story with Jenny as a part of the celebration. And one of her friends texted me back and said, Jenny is going to hate that. And uh, I said, I know, but we're going to do it anyway. Uh, I actually texted her back and I said, well, Jenny might hate it at the beginning because I know she doesn't like to be in the spotlight like she is right now because I'm telling the story. But I know at the end she'll like it. So it's dinner time. We have our meal. We're moving on to desserts. We're having cupcakes. And then I announce, okay, at this point of the dinner, we're going to go around the table and we're going to share words of affirmation for Jenny. And of course, she protests. She's like, this is my birthday. This is not what I asked for. And I say, it's going to be okay. It's going to be okay. And so we went around the circle. We went around the table. And everyone blessed her with their words. And there was laughter and there, was smi- there were smiles. It was, it was good. It was good because it's not always our habit to do that. That's something good about birthdays. Birthdays are good because they're moments of celebration for each individual. But it felt so good because we're not schooled in that. This is not normally what we do. And I think that we need more of it. I think we need more words of encouragement and affirmation. I think we need to be the people of blessing. Because let's be honest, it's a lot easier to hurl insults and to fire off those those well-crafted zingers and get people and those sarcastic jabs. All of that kind of language seems to be much more easier. But what if we were to take the opportunity to create the kind of world filled with blessings? So I ask you for the last time, what kind of world do you want to live in? The choice is yours, a world of blessing or a world of curses. Now, God invites us into a world of blessing because in creation, God blesses us. It's in Genesis chapter 5, verse 2. He created them male and female, and he blessed them, and he called them human. God's work in the world starts with blessing. It starts with goodness. This is the world that God designed, a world filled with blessings. But of course, you know the story. It doesn't take very long into our story until the curse slithers its way into God's good world. You know, the curse, it it begins with a snake in the garden with the lie that God is not trustworthy, that God is not a person who will keep his word. The curse starts with humanity forsaking their original job simply to bear God's image into the world. The curse enters into our world through the disobedience of humanity when their hearts are turned away from God and towards a lie. But the good news is that even though there are people who still choose a life of cursing, the curse could never overpower God's blessing because when Jesus comes, Jesus comes to take the curse away from the world. And so even though people might choose that, even though people might choose the path of cursing, we believe that Jesus has overcome the curse to provide a world full of blessings. Jesus, in fact, Paul says in Galatians 3.13, becomes a curse for us. Listen to these words. Galatians 3.13, but Christ has rescued us from the curse pronounced by the law when he was hung on the cross. 
He took upon himself the curse for our wrongdoing. For it is written in the scriptures, cursed is everyone who is hung on a tree. The law had laid out all of the curses that come as a result of disobedience, and the curse is always the same. The curse is filled with destruction and disaster and, and, and disconnection from God. This is what the curse brings. But on the cross, Jesus takes away our sin, and Jesus takes away the curse that we might experience God's blessings. I love the way Eugene Peterson translates Galatians 3.13 in the Message Bible. Peterson translates it this way. Christ redeemed us from that self-defeating, cursed life by absorbing it completely into himself. Jesus Christ upon the cross is not only taking the sin of the world into himself, Jesus is taking all of the curse that comes from human disobedience into himself and Jesus takes all those curses down into death and he leaves it there that the door might kick wide open to a world full of blessings. Our choice day by day is to decide what kind of world we want to live in. A world created by God, a world redeemed by Jesus, full of blessings, or a world full of curses. Now, as Jesus has taken away our sin, taken away the curse to open up this world of blessing, we see that, we recognize that, and we respond in kind. Jesus becomes a curse, taking it away, and in that, God is blessing us. And in response to that blessing, we respond by blessing God. This is what we do when we worship. Worship for Christians is a way to bless the Lord. Like, like in the words of Psalm 103, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. He forgives all your sins and heals all your infirmities. He redeems your life from the grave and crowns you with mercy and loving kindness. He satisfies you with good things and your youth is renewed like an eagle. Bless the Lord, O oh my soul. This is what we do when we are gathered together in worship. The worship team that you see up here that works so hard week after week is not simply trying to entertain you, but rather lead you into this world of blessing by blessing the Lord. And so for Christians, worship is not just thinking good thoughts about God. Which is good. It's a good Christian practice. I hope you think good thoughts about God. That's a good thing. But that's what we call Christian meditation. To set your mind on things above. To think good thoughts about God. That's good. And that belongs in the Christian life. But that's not worship. Because worship is an expression of love. Again, for Christians, blessings. Those are expressions of love. So worship is when we use words that are spoken or words which are sung out loud by the congregation. These are acts of worship because it's something that we do. It's an expression that we give to God. So God blesses us in and through Jesus who takes away the curse. And in response to God's blessing, we bless God in response. 
But if we are going to have a world filled with blessing and not just a church filled with blessing, we have a responsibility not only to bless God through our worship and through our prayer, we also have a responsibility to bless one another with the words that we use. And I want to encourage you because I think that we already do this. I think that you do this more than you know. I think that you, as much as I think that we're not schooled in how to do blessing really well, I think that we're already doing some of it, at least at an elementary level. Because I want to live in this kind of world of blessing, but it's going to take you and me, us together, blessing one another. And you're already doing that. Whenever you use words like good morning or have a nice day or something like that, when you're using those kind of words, you say thank you, right? These are expressions of love through the words that you use. And you may not even realize you're already kind of doing this. My encouragement today is that you just keep it up. Keep blessing one another with the words that you use. And, and again, you, when you're in the world and you're doing that, you don't have to set it up as a blessing. You can just say it. You don't have to set it up. So, for example, if you're at the grocery store, and you're putting all your items on the little conveyor belt, and the cashier's scanning everything, you know, working hard, sacking all your groceries, and then you pay, you can simply bless the cashier by saying, have a good day. That's all you got to say. You don't have to set up the cashier, right? You don't have to say, Miss Cashier, get ready for the, I'm about to bless you in Jesus' name. Get ready for it. Here it comes. Have a good day. You do, it does it. Actually, if you do that, they might call security. So please don't do that. There's enough religious weirdos out in the world. Let's not multiply that tribe. You don't have to set it up. You just need to speak the words. Have a good day. Good morning. It's good to see you. Things like that. I've made it a habit when I'm running on Ashland in the morning uh, to always say good morning to the people that I pass. I'm jogging by, you know. Might be sweaty this time of year, pretty sweaty. Pass someone, wave a hand, sometimes give them the deuces, you know. Good morning. Good to see you. And I've noticed that morning joggers and walkers will often reciprocate. The morning people are just so friendly. But I've been out there, some, I've been out there with some of y'all in the evening. Some of those evening walkers and runners on Ashland, I'll be like, hey, how you doing? And I'm like, dude, what's... You're already blessing people in your world. Let's keep it up. Now, if we truly want to live in a world full of blessings, it's not enough simply to bless others. We also have to bless those who curse us. If blessing is an expression of love through words, then cursing is an expression of animosity through the words that we use. And by cursing, I'm not simply talking about those colorful four-letter words. I'm talking about those too. But I'm talking about the kind of cursing where we use our words as heat-seeking missiles that we fire off to get them, right? 
So people are, are cursing at us, not necessarily using four-letter words, but, but they're firing their missiles at us. What do we do? We throw up our defenses, and then over that defense wall, we hurl back missiles at them. Words that are covered with barbs that are seeking to hurt and destroy. This is what happens over and over in our world. But if we're going to live in a world full of blessings, we have to do something different. We have to bless those who curse us. This is taught uniformly by Jesus and the apostles. You know that. Jesus says in Luke chapter 6, bless those who curse you. Pray for those who hurt you. Now, that's a good translation. People are like, was that translated accurately? Yes. Bless those who curse you, King Jesus says, and pray for those who hurt you. Paul in Romans 12 echoes the same words. Bless those who persecute you. Don't curse them. Pray that God will bless them. And then James, the brother of Jesus, Pastor James, calls us out in James chapter 3 when he says, I know there's some of you out there, you're praising God and you're cursing people and it shouldn't be like that. James writes these words, Sometimes our tongue praises our Lord and Father and sometimes it curses those who have been made in the image of God. And so blessing and cursing come pouring out of the same mouth. Surely, my brothers and sisters, this is not right. Come to church and you'll bless God with that mouth. And then Monday morning, someone pulls out in front of you on the belt. And out your mouth come the heat-seeking missiles. James says, it shouldn't be like this. How can we bless God whom we do not see and yet curse that person created in the image of God? It is so much easier to fire back curses. It's just, it is just an instinct for us. It's much easier to trade insult for insult, burn for burn, curse for curse. But friends, this is not the Jesus way. And to me, this is how we are going to create a world full of blessings. When we bless those who curse us, we neutralize cursing. But when we curse those who curse us, we normalize cursing. So let's choose to bless. Let's choose to neutralize curses in our world, knowing that Jesus became a curse for us and took all those curses away. Let's neutralize cursing and let's just normalize blessing. Let's make it normal that when we speak to one another, when we speak about one another, both in person and on social media, that we do so in a way that builds them up. That we create together this world of blessing by the words that we choose. Before, before we come to the table of the Lord, I'm going to read from Tina Bosch's book, Towards the End. Tina and her husband have three children. They lived overseas for a lot of their family's life. They're now in Nashville, uh, Tennessee. And so uh, Tina ends the last chapter uh, sharing a story about one of her kids, a daughter who is sick. 
And this causes her to reflect on blessing. Listen to Tina's words. I was up all night listening to my daughter breathe. She coughed, her throat constricted, her breathing raspy. I know this sound too well, a distressed seal barking. She had the croup again. I lifted her out of her bed and brought her into my room. She curled up in my lap, and I sat in the rocking chair by the open bedroom window. The cool night air always seems to calm her and ease her labored breathing. Inhale, exhale, repeat. Holding her, I was reminded how much I need to breathe. God's blessing is like the oxygen surrounding us. The essential thing we need each moment of each day to keep our souls pumping. It's so strange that some people would confuse God's essential blessing with prosperity. Wealth compared to presence is a wisp of a shadow, a drop of water as opposed to a running river. God's blessing is something to bathe in, not something to possess, something to display. God's blessing is a cosmos, a calling, a cross, a reason for being, a way of relating. Inhale, exhale, breathe in, breathe out. If we want to live in a world filled with blessing, this is how we do it. We breathe in the blessing of God. We, we breathe in daily gifts of grace from God. And then we go into our world and we breathe out blessings. Blessings to those around us. Blessings to those whom we know and those we don't know. Blessing towards those who do good to us and for us. And blessing to those who want to do us harm. If we do this, I believe together we can create the kind of world we all want to live in, a world filled with blessings. Amen. Let's prepare ourselves now for Holy Communion. Let's prepare our, our hearts, our minds, our, our bodies to come to the table of the Lord and to meet Jesus here. So if you're in the, the building with me, I'm going to encourage you to stand up and what we're going to do to prepare for communion is, well, to do what has become our habit. And that is we want to do two things. We want to both confess our faith and to confess our sins. You know, we confess our sins. And that's a good thing. You should confess your sins. That's a great thing. But confessing sin is only one side of confession because we not only confess are the things that we've done wrong, the things we've done and left undone, but we also want to confess our faith, what we believe. And you heard in the gospel reading today, you heard Jesus saying that he is the bread that has come to heaven and that if we eat this bread, it's kind of strange, if we, if we eat, because Jesus said that this bread I'm talking about is my flesh. If you eat my flesh, you'll have eternal life. And later on in, in John 6, you'll read where there are people saying, Jesus, this is a pretty hard saying. Uh, uh, we don't really want to be cannibals here. This is a hard saying. I don't, I don't know how to do this. But for the disciples that had faith born in their hearts, they, they, were, they were drawn to it. And so in that final meal when Jesus is with his disciples, this final supper, 
Jesus, he takes bread and he does three things with it. He, he breaks it and then he blesses it and then he gives it. He gave it to his disciples on that very last meal they had together and now followers of Jesus 2,000 years later come together and worship and we believe that Jesus is with us and offering this bread which is broken. That this broken bread would remind us of the broken body of Jesus but through this broken bread we believe that somehow we are connected to the bread of life who is Jesus. And so we come confessing our sins, we come confessing our faith. And so let's start by confessing our faith. And after these prayers, then ushers will release you row by row to come down here to the front. We'll have stations and people will be holding a, a basket of, of bread and, and take that bread. You'll hear the words, the body of Christ broken for you. Take that bread, dip it in the cup and hear the words, the blood of Christ shed for you. If you prefer, we have a little communion packet. You can take one of that as well. But let's all come together. Those of us who are gathered in here and those of you who are worshiping online, let's come together in this moment, confess our faith, confess our sins, and then come to the bread of life. Church, join me and let's confess our Christian faith together. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord. He was conceived by the power of the Holy Spirit and born of the Virgin Mary. He suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended to the dead. On the third day, he rose again. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. He will come again to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Now join me as we confess our sins together. Most merciful God, we confess that we have sinned against you in thought, word, and deed, by what we have done and by what we have left undone. We have not loved you with our whole heart. We have not loved our neighbors as ourselves. We are truly sorry and we humbly repent. For the sake of your Son, Jesus Christ, have mercy on us and forgive us, that we may delight in your will and walk in your ways to the glory of your name. Amen. And God is gracious to all who confess their sins and in humility ask for mercy. In the name of Jesus, your sins are forgiven.